Off top, Turritopsis dorii is an immortal jellyfish. So when it reaches a certain age, rather than die, it reverts back to like a juvenile polyp stage and starts all over. Unless it's killed, it won't die. Is that what Tom Brady's doing? Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, Charlie. So we had another 90s football game. It felt like it's just run game and defense, which I I still loved it. And the 49ers defense in their running game was incredible. And I, I feel like you might look at the stats and be like, hey, they didn't run the ball every down. But when they weren't running the ball, they were throwing screen passes mm-hmm. <laughs> to Debo Samuel, who turned those into big plays, which were also running plays. And this is why people say things like Jimmy Garoppolo's a winner. <laughs> because well, the whole team conspires to carry him and give him a win. Well, I think that this is the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. He just gets the ball to their best players. And whether or not it's just a simpler game plan to get the ball to Devo Samuel and uh, you know, Jeff Wilson and Ayuk and and uh George Kittle closer to the line of scrimmage whatever he can he can do that at a baseline competency enough to make the 49ers look pretty good when their defense is this dominant uh i mean yeah i guess but to be fair the biggest player of the night i imagine like the biggest epa player of the night yeah. the biggest yards gain of the night was jimmy g like lucking into a big play could have been a pick it was a bad throw like, had he thrown it? And I'm assuming, like, I know some quarterbacks will place it there. I, I remember in um, a joint practice uh, we had a long time ago when I was in Denver against the Cowboys, Tony Romo was there. And, like, we're doing one-on-ones. I jumped the route in one-on-ones and was really – thought I had an interception. And he just threw it incredibly high. And he said that he looks at the cornerbacks, not at the receivers. And he throws away from the cornerbacks. And, I mean – I, it, it kind of blew my mind because I never thought that that was possible before. And I know it doesn't sound like a big thing, but maybe that's what Jimmy was doing, like throwing mm-hmm. away from the defender. But he was throwing off his back foot. And also, I feel like I don't want to give Jimmy that much credit because it seemed more like just a bad ball that turned into the best play tonight. So it sounds like I thought we were partners in reason and logic, but it sounds like you want to say Jimmy G just wins. No, 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 no. My tepid take was that he was he is baseline competent enough to let the playmakers in their defense do a good enough job to win games. Yeah, that is, uh, I I can't go farther than that because that's like saying, hey, you are perfectly mediocre. It's a lot like the Cowboys. Like it feels like they're mm-hmm. the same situation where they got injuries that sent them to the backup quarterback, which may have forced them into a more simplified game plan and to. Be- to be fair to Trey Lance, we never saw really yeah, saw him no in, in the soup bowl where they were just playing in a bowl of soup in Chicago. Then we saw him for a little bit after that and never really saw him again. But there's something about the comfort. I don't know if it feels comfortable. It just feels like so much. It feels like the pressure is so high when Jimmy G's at quarterback. It's like, we got to do this. <laughs> the defense is like, we got to do this. And Debo is like, I got to find a way to score. They had that big run from Wilson and it seemed like they could run the ball at will and it's not that much pressure on jimmy g and the one time he threw like a really good ball to the back of the end zone to kittle kittle stepped out of bounds so he doesn't even get credit for his good pass so i I mean i don't know i think 
unless you got anything else on the 49ers, I kind of want to pivot to the Rams offensive ineptitude. The Rams are much more interesting. Let's go to the Rams. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, I mean, I feel like we should say D'Amico Ryan's name a bunch of times, though. D'Amico Ryan, D'Amico Ryan, D'Amico yeah. Ryan's, because we're going to talk about how Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius for the rest of uh, this season and not point to the fact that the last season in this year, year with D'Amico Ryan's, the strength of their team's kind of been their defense and not this Kyle Shanahan geniusness. But all right. Um, Cooper Cup's not a true number one. Explain. After this game, their only good player, the only guy in this team who played well. Explain. He had numbers. I don't know if I would say he played well. He had 13 and, catches for 113 yards. Yeah, he had numbers. I don't know if he played well. So they were, they weren't double. They doubled him on a couple third downs. And I'll have to look at the all 22 and see if I'm actually right, fully right about this, about how little respect they showed Cooper Cup. And I know, like, I feel like you think this is absurd. And, and maybe I'm being hyperbolic with saying he's not a true number one. I, he was my number one receiver in the league in this offseason because yeah. of the numbers he put up last year. However, when I'm watching this game, I recognize that they need that other guy so badly. And Robinson's not it. They need somebody who they can put outside and can win one-on-one. When they put Cooper Cup outside, I saw it on two separate occasions. Stafford looked at him. He got pressed out of the play and Stafford went back somewhere else when they're motioning him in the backfield and motioning him across the field, running him out of backfield, putting him in stacks, doing all these like uh, unique things to get him in situations where he can run option routes on linebackers or get two way goals against nickels. Yeah. That's valuable thing to move the chains. It's a valuable thing to have, but it doesn't scare the defense. So this 49ers team that doesn't blitz very much, were like completely comfortable with leaving Cooper Cup matched up with guys who like aren't like shut down corners and blitzing throughout the course of this entire game. And Cooper Cup got numbers, but like he didn't impact the game enough to me. And I know it sounds crazy with the 100 yards and 13 catches, but when you're watching that game, he's not having the impact that like a number, and it's not fair to say Tyreek Hill, but like any number one receiver, you're not going to be able to be that aggressive if you're afraid that this guy is going to like break the game. Okay, we're about to become first take because I think he's clearly at like a top five or six receiver in the NFL. And I get it. He might not have been a true number one tonight, but I can't think of anything that makes you more of a pure number one than, and this is, I'm going to, this is your do it in the playoffs moment when it's the final drive of the Super Bowl and everyone knows the ball has to go to you over and over and over again. And I don't care if he's playing in the slot, if he's playing as an H-back, if he's playing as an X, if they can just continue to feed him the ball and he can beat your Super Bowl opponent over and over again after you win the Triple Crown and have one of the best receiving uh, seasons ever for someone not named Jerry Rice or Randy Moss, you get to be you get you get to have one bad game against the D'Amico Ryan's led defense and still be a number one. <laughs> okay. I I we will not be first take because when I'm wrong, I'll just be like, all right, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about the terminology that I'm using. You are right about that. Me saying he's not a true number one is like me just feeling like he's not what I've come to expect from that position. He does not threaten, he does not scare the 49ers. And that was the problem tonight. They don't have somebody that they are worried about. They were completely comfortable with Cooper Cup moving the chains periodically because they knew at some point this offense would peter out. And I don't want to blame Cooper Cup. It's complete wrong person to blame here. But he is not 
they're asking more of him than I think he's capable of providing at this point. They can't run the ball consistently. They don't have another threat that can win outside. The fact that he can't win outside is a problem. It's not a problem when you have someone who can win outside. They don't have that person. So I frame this improperly. You're right. Coming down on Cooper Cup is the wrong person to come down on. He is great for what he does. But this offense is incomplete if they're not going to be able to find some other threat on this team other than Cooper Cup, and they don't have it. So I've, I I do want to get more into the the Rams' offensive ineptitude and if it's fixable. But the, the one follow-up question I have is I think we've talked about this a little bit with Amon Ra and now with Cooper Cup, and that is the, like, the value of slot receivers. And the two follow-up questions I have are, one, it seems like a lot of this – their production in your eyes is, is a value or is the result of incredible coaching, getting them in, in situations to succeed. And then two, that their impact on the game is smaller than the stats. And it's like, so can a slot receiver never be a number one receiver is the first question I have. And two, why don't more teams have guys that are dominant in the slot? If it's something that can be created by, uh, by play calling and scheme. Oh, no, I don't think that it's exclusively created by play calling and scheme. I think these guys are special players. Mm -hmm. But in the same way that, like, a middle linebacker can only have so much impact on the game, if you can only win in the slot or when you're in a stack or when you're at an H-back, there's only so much impact you can have on the game or so much threat you can make to a – or you can have on a defense. So it's not even about the position that they put them on the field because you can – put Tyreek Hill in the slot and he has big play threat ability that scares yeah. defenses. We that said Debo. You, yeah. Yeah. Debo in the slot. He has the ability to make your defense adjust to them. And I did not see that out of uh Cooper cup. And like I mentioned, there were some third downs where they really wanted to stop him. So they would double Cooper cup, but the worst case scenario in much of this game is Cooper cups going to catch a five, seven, 10 yard pass and move the sticks. And that is something that as a defensive coordinator, you're like, all right, I'm going on third and five. I'm going to blitz because if we sack them, we're great. If we don't sack them, Cooper Cup's going to catch a seven-yard um, pass, and then we're going to line up and play again. It's very different when you have somebody who's out on the edge, and you're like, all right. So the reason why the slot, I think, uh, matters, why it's diminished, is because it's closer to the middle safety. Mm-hmm. So if you are working from the slot – like inherently you're going to have a tougher time of getting away from the help. And if you're on the edge, the help has to declare itself so much sooner. So if you're far to the right wide receiver that requires a double team, fine. The safety goes over there and doubles him. Everyone else has the rest of the field to work with and he has to declare it quickly. Um, For the slot receiver, that's not the same thing. And if they put Cooper Cup on edge, I saw it, like I mentioned, on two occasions, and it's not fair. Maybe I need to watch all Cooper Cup outside film for the rest of or previous seasons. And maybe he's out here working people and I don't realize it, but that's what it boils down to, to me is that it, it threatens the defense yeah, far less than having someone else out there. And uh, we talked about it with Tyreek Hill, what they used to do with the, the chiefs, even when they put him in the slot, they would run those deep overs, which are just like horizontal go routes. And it would still, the safety would still have to address it. And Cooper Cup, if you watch him, they'll motion him, push him in a stack. He'll delay off the line of scrimmage for a full count. And then he'll get into his route. Once he delayed off the line of scrimmage, nobody's scared anymore. Like, okay, if it's a must-have third and five, yeah, that's terrifying. 
But on, in the first quarter, there are no must-have third and fives. In the third quarter, it just doesn't feel like that's something that's out there. But there are other players who can make these big plays that, that Cooper Cup rarely makes. And this feels like I feel very stupid in that you're right. Me saying the stuff about him being number one was wrong. And me pretending like he's the problem in the offense is wrong. We shouldn't focus on him. This offense yeah. has a lot of shortcomings. It's just that if the expectation is that Cooper Cup, I don't think see, that's where it comes down to is I don't think Sean McVay expects Cooper Cup to do that. No. Yeah. And that's and that's the problem. They need Odell back. They need Robinson to do what they brought him in there to do. They need somebody to be that guy. And they know it's not him. That's the thing. Like, I, I was just looking at the box score and look, the personnel is terrible around around Cooper Cup. Like, uh the running game is seemingly falling apart, which is so weird for someone coming out of the, you know, Shanahan coaching tree with McVay. The other pass catchers, like Stafford doesn't even look at Allen Robinson. It looks like it, Tyler Higby's their number two receiver. And like they're talking about Ben Skoranek being a fullback wide receiver hybrid. This is not the offense that has been high powered for the last five years. It seems like them mortgaging their future is finally caught up to the roster right now on the opposite side of the ball. That's a fair point. Um, he threw that one fade to Robinson that got um batted away in the end zone. Yeah, six targets. Really, tonight. Uh, so he did have more targets than I remember. That's the only one I actually like stands out in my mind as a great play by the defender. But yeah, um, this is good that we're testing this out because I I feel like it's refined for my first for my um get up takes tomorrow morning because. Blaming Cooper Cup is not the answer, but he is also not the answer. And Matt Stafford, yeah, I I need to watch the All-22 because it's like, if they're going to blitz you, and I guess they had some issues on offensive line again, but blitzing like opens up these opportunities. You can't be in as good as D'Amico Ryan's defense is there had to be chances out there to be had. And I couldn't see them from the TV copy, but they blitzed them a bunch. Mm -hmm. And Matt either couldn't find the guy or nobody could get open. And again, that's why it's like Cooper's not that guy. You know, it's I'm trying to, I'm trying to assign blame to this Rams team. Cause that's what we do. And I'm going step by step. And I was like, huh, Let's look at Matthew Stafford. His QBR has plummeted. He's thrown six interceptions through four games. Everything is down. And then I'm like, wait a second. Wasn't there that graphic on at the start of the game about the Rams offensive line? Maybe that's why he took seven sacks tonight. And I'm like, you know what? Les Snead didn't, defend, didn't address this offensive line as he spent money elsewhere and, and used picks as, you know, trade bait for the last several years. Maybe it's his fault. And what yeah. I think I'm going to settle on, though, all of it. Every every level of this is sort of broken right now for the Rams offense. I think it is. Yeah. So yeah, they're trade-offs. It's yeah. something that we we talked about earlier, and I always think about is their trade-offs. The trade-off for building the roster that they've been building and having uh Vaughn Miller in that stretch run last year and Odell Beckham and all the people that they were able to bring in and Ramsey, like the trade-off for that is there's no room for mistakes. You can't draft wrong. At yeah. this point, you can't sign the wrong free agent. There is no room for mistakes. When there's no room for mistakes, you get a roster like this. And when you have a roster like this and you're on the field, again, there's no room for mistakes. The players on the field can't make any mistakes. And so they just they've narrowed their um margin for uh success. 
and they've traded it and it worked out. So like they won yeah. the Super Bowl last year. So good job, guys. For that, now you have to play perfect football to get back. And they're not doesn't seem like they're capable of doing it just yet. And maybe Odell will get healthy and sign with them and then everything will change. Yeah. I mean, I think the their hope, their defense has to be good enough to carry this team until the offense can figure it out. And the defense actually has looked pretty good tonight, despite yeah. despite yeah. the loss. Yeah. All right. We're done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. All right, Charlie, I feel like... Are we numb to how great Patrick Mahomes is? Like, has that happened already? Like, I, I would like to do a second of Patrick Mahomes appreciation before we talk about the rest of the weekend's games and the other quarterbacks who are not Patrick Mahomes and aren't doing Mahomesian things, even if they once were better than him or may one day be as good as him. See, I actually don't think we are numb to him. I think we don't. Okay. I here, here's here's the the spin zone on it. I don't think we give Patrick Mahomes enough credit. I think we keep looking for. I think we keep straying from home and looking for that hot new quarterback that is the apple of our eye. And then every once in a while, he avoids three sacks and flips the ball four yards into the back of the end zone to a to a running back, and we're like, oh, it's pretty nice what we got at home. This Patrick Mahomes thing. He threw he threw a chest pass. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it gets it gets um a little bit. Except that's my point. Is like it feels like we're numb to it, and every now and then he catches our eye straying, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, this Herbert guy, this Josh Allen guy, hey hey, and then he's like. I'll do a spin on the sideline and throw a, a chest pass touchdown. Something you've never seen before from someone who does things that you've never seen before routinely. He's just, he's incredible. And the offense is still humming along even after a bad week against the Colts and after losing Tyreek Hill and they're remaking it and whatever, blah, 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 blah. They're still, I mean, that was my pick to win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. before the season started. And I feel more confident than ever after what they did to to the Bucs. And granted, the Bucs had an unusual week. They had the hurricane displace them for um, part of their week practicing in Miami and then come back and play. Imagine that's a difficult thing to overcome. But they just dominated the best, what I thought was the best defense in the league. Yeah. And I thought that those guys were, I mean, they still are incredible, but what happens in that game didn't seem like a fluke. I think that's really illustrative of how good the Chiefs offense is. And we're I, to, to your point, I think I framed it wrong the first time. 
we're at the pushback to the pushback to the pushback about Patrick Mahomes. Because first we were like, this guy is incredible. I've never seen anything like this. Right. And then he lost to Brady in the Super Bowl. And there was like a little pushback of like, oh, torch hasn't been passed. And then it was like, oh, this guy's incredible. And then he had the second half last year in the playoff against the Bengals. Um, and people were like, we got to stop the early goat debates. We can't compare him to Brady. Yeah. You know, this is too much. Can Josh you? Allen is just as good as him, which Josh Allen's incredible. I'm not starting that debate, but I think we continually forget how, just how good he is. And I want to read you one stat or one tweet. I'm sorry okay. of why I think that this is the most impressive Patrick Mahomes season we've ever seen. Um, and statistically that might not be true with raw numbers of when he won his first MVP. But this is a tweet from Shell Kapadia. Here's where the Chiefs r- offense ranks through four games in the post-Tyree Kill era. EPA per drive, first. Points per drive, first. Offensive points per game, second. Success rate, third. Patrick Mahomes is first among starting QBs in EPA per pass play. And to me, this is especially incredible because they lost Tyree Kill, who I think you know better than anyone else. He is yeah, he the gravity he has on the field cannot be matched. This guy's like the Steph Curry of wide receivers, and Patrick is just like Patrick and Andy um, are just like whatever. We'll still be the best offense in the league. Is it possible that I mean I think the game against the Colts is less interesting even than it was last yeah. week, but I think it's also possible that there's some like let down and like they get up for bigger games and we should not care when they play a close game against a mediocre opponent or especially if they lose to a team that just lost to the Falcons which like the Colts are done but that's a, another conversation that we can have off air because we're not going to bore anybody with with sad sad Please, Colts talk. Anything but the but point that. is <laughs> yeah the point is I don't think that that was uh indicative of this team, they thought they could sleepwalk through them, and and their special teams failed them. But in this game, is and to be fair to the to the Buccaneers in their defense, they started out in a hole. Like it was a fumble on the opening kickoff, and the Bucks got a lead, or excuse me, the the Chiefs got a lead, and the Bucks seems like the recipe for their team this season is like defense keep us close, and Brady will create enough offense for us to win late in the game, and. You can't keep it close if you give Patrick Mahomes the ball in the red zone, you know, essentially to start the game before you even get a chance to score. And then they get it back at halftime. And Travis Kelsey is not the gravity player that uh, Tyreek Hill is. And he's not, I was going to say he's not the big play threat, but he kind of is with his run after the catch. He makes really big plays. And for them to be still the best offense in the league, having lost the best receiver, I think, because you, you can't argue that Tyreek Hill was a product of the system considering what he's doing now, you know, in a new place. Like Tyreek Hill is incredibly valuable and they did not replace him and they never will, but they've replaced his uh, effectiveness. You know, they just do it differently. Those. We should be very clear. Those cross field deep yeah. balls are not like, those horizontal goes that they were running with Tyreek Hill was essentially what they were. Rather than running him straight, they were running like deep overs. Those aren't in the offense in the way that they were. They're not as threatening as they were now, but they find other ways to do it. And it's it's so much more on Patrick. And one thing that I see in Patrick is not only him taking on more of the obligation of production on the field. He can't throw it to Tyreek Hill to bail him out. You also see him being more like, leaderly you know he's like ripping into travis kelsey in the middle of the game and they're like things that i don't know how valuable they are uh, 
in isolation, but I think it's indicative of the the role that he's taken yep. on. He it's clear to him that he knows that it, the way that the salary cap is gone and the way that the team is gone, that it's going to be on him. And win, lose, or draw, no matter what happens, the responsibility falls on his shoulders. And I like that about. Him. Oh yeah, we've entered stage two of Mahomes, where it's like he's being judged by this team winning. And he, I think he totally realizes that. And these seasons are about making the team be in the best position to win, which is something we saw. It took, you know, Brady and Manning years to enter that, that stage. And he's doing it incredibly early. Uh, one thing to your point that I think we should highlight, they didn't just not replace Tyree Kill. They got MVS out there just doing wind sprints. They got a tall, fast guy who just runs 40 yards, and then jogs back to the huddle. This is not like they even replaced him with above average players who can do, who can give 90% of what Tyreek gives. It's not, it's not, it's, it is pieces of that offense that are just uh, sewn together in a beautiful collage by Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He took a, a bunch of scraps yeah. and, and made an incredible collage. Um, But you mentioned earlier about passing the torch. Can the torch be passed while Brady and Rogers are still in the league, right? Because the, I, I guess I have a question about the perception of it, you know, because I think the perception is that those guys, Brady and Rogers, are still at the top of their game. Or maybe not inside football. But anyway, I guess the point I'm trying to make is they haven't been good this year. Those old quarterbacks, Brady, Rogers, Wilson, they have not been it's not fair to say they haven't been good. They haven't been themselves, right? They haven't been great, which is what we expect of them. Patrick Mahomes has been. And we can move on from Patrick Mahomes and talk more about these old yeah. guys kind of being mediocre or like, that's not fair. They're good. They just aren't. Well, two of the three of them. What we've bad. come to expect. Two of the three of them are good. Yeah, that's, that's true. Wilson's bad. Wilson's bad right now. And he's been that way for a little while. Let's go to Brady first. Cause I let's knock these out one at a time. And like, there right. was the quote, from, this is a funny quote from Mahomes after the game last night, where he's like, I feel like I had my last game against Tom Brady four times. And <laughs> I, the first thing, let's start with this. Like, what is Tom Brady doing still playing football? He is 45 years old. No one really wants him out there. And I don't think that Brady's bad. I don't think that he has really diminished the team. And that offense is not good. And there's been this prevailing opinion all over NFL Twitter, podcast, or network. The Bucs will be fine when they get healthy. They'll figure it out. Gronk will come back. God will know. When do football teams get more healthy? Why do we want to see Tom Brady, who's 45, who we're not even sure wants to be out there playing with a team that is not a relevant offense? And I know the conference is so bad that that might not matter, but this is not a team that we're looking at that we're like, they're definitely going to figure it out based on the personnel they have and the health they have going into after the first quarter of the season. And this is the third year in a row where the the um, pressure is incredibly high on them, which there's a toll that it takes on on your body and on your psyche that I don't think we account for. Not only are they worn out, but there's something to be said for. I don't know if you if uh, average fan can relate to this, but. I feel like you can like you understand that even if you aren't like if you have a stressful week at work, you got to get ready for an important presentation. I don't know, something like that. Like you feel that hang over you for that week. 
the Bucks have been like that for three years now. And I think that, and I guess Tom Brady's been like that for his entire career. So maybe it, it, that's not how you can, you can't chalk that up to impacting Tom Brady in any way, but I think it has to impact the team in some way also. And to your point, they're not going to get any healthier. I do, I have been kind of like hesitant to like, be honest about what I think this team actually is because of the Tom Brady effect, where it's like, you don't ever want to doubt Tom Brady, but like, if their defense can't stop elite offenses, then they can't win. Right. Or at least slow them down to some degree, because I have no reason to believe that their offense, given the injuries that they have, is going to rise to the level to like compete in shootouts and I, I wanted to answer one of the questions you asked, asked off the top. It's like, why is Tom Brady still out there? We talked about David Dennis and I talked about this a little bit on the bonus episode on Wednesday is. At least for me, I think that I understand needing a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and I did not anticipate like when I retired from football, like I was willing to happy. I wasn't like forced out. I thought I was ready to retire. I didn't anticipate how difficult it was. Um, to like figure out the transition part of it. And I don't know if Tom Brady is like thought that far ahead, but I think that we always say, or we assume that it's his love of the game or his desire to compete. And he feeds this, that keeps him playing. It's possible that it's also like the fear yeah. of what's next, you know, and the fear of that taking that next leap and waking up uh, one random Wednesday morning and like, what do I have to do? Like, what do I have to do? Nothing. <laughs> there's there's some freedom, and I know it sounds counterintuitive, but there's some freedom given to you by having constraints in your life. Yeah. You know, it's like the freedom from having to choose. And I know that sounds outrageous, but it's a it's a nice thing sometimes to just not I, I imagine people who like have kids or people who manage a lot of people understand how it feels to wake up one morning and have to worry about all the people that you have to manage and just like pine for a day where you're like, I ain't got to do nothing. Or I wish, I wish I was one of them where I just woke up and was told what to do and didn't have to do anything. Well, counterpoint on this. And I'd love your, I'd love your opinion on it is, is this the year where he's going to realize that it's, it's time. And I think we, we do think that, but like he's getting rocked last night. He's grabbing his shoulder on the ground ground. They're showing Blaine Gabbard on the sideline uh you know they've rushed back Chris Godwin it doesn't look like this offense is going to get going is this is this year he figures it out and I say that because um I think this was in the last dance there was a when they asked MJ about uh why it was so tough to leave and he's like I wanted to be knocked off the mountaintop and I couldn't and I wasn't and that's why I had to come back another time with the Wizards but it's like is that what we're getting with Brady now? Is this, is this his wizard season is what it comes down to yeah. where he realizes I this right. isn't my this isn't my life anymore yeah, I mean, that's a good parallel, I guess, with the exception of, I mean, because Jordan, if I remember correctly, was still putting up good numbers, yeah. but that team wasn't competitive. And this team is competitive, and they believe that they have a chance. Like, I wouldn't be stunned if they won the Super Bowl. I wouldn't bet on them, but, like, the idea that they could go on a run like they did uh, with that defense and get to the game. I mean, when the Bengals find themselves in the Super Bowl last year, it makes me feel like it's not crazy. But yeah, I I could get that. I, I don't know. I The Brady stuff, we can get back mm-hmm. to it in future weeks. But 
I can't quite figure it out, but I don't have a lot of confidence in them. But let's do let's do uh Russell and Aaron Rodgers also. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. I don't know where to start on. I feel like Russell is more interesting because it feels more like definite. Yeah. I have more faith in, in the Packers and Aaron Rodgers than I do in the Broncos and Russell Wilson. And it feels like he's just done. Yes. Bad at football, great at TikTok. <laughs> He is. He's great at TikTok, I guess. He's great at TikTok because he's bad yeah. at it. It's, That's right. Yeah, it's not like he's coming up with some innovative stuff. He's just like, it's so cringy that it uh it gets picked up by us weirdos on TikTok. Is there a chance he's actually funny and he's like the Andy Kaufman of TikTok and he knows how cringy and funny these things are? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it has to be now, right? Yeah. I think like you would advise a, a player or a person to like, you find what you're good at and you keep doing it. And I think that maybe initially he was trying to be like prototypical quarterback talk guy. And it came off as so like awkward. Mm -hmm. And now at this point, I think he's leaning into it right yeah. now. He's like, this is my brand. So I'm just going to do some weird stuff. And everyone's going to talk about how, how weird and awkward this is. And that'll be me. I went back and grinded the tape. We can get to the football of this in a second. I went back and grinded the tape of his, uh, when we realized his social media presence was going to be so weird. And I looked at the Mr. Unlimited video and he actually has a line in it where he's like, Ooh, it's boring robot Russell. And he actually has like a yes. robot malfunction in it at the exact time between boring and robot. And I was like, I was like, is this the clue? Is this the point where we realized he might've <laughs> been saying this with comedic timing intentionally? <laughs> That's when he crossed over and and stopped trying to do it and started doing it in or uh, doing it intentionally. Yeah, I mean the on field stuff is less funny. Yeah, it's just as awkward though. He threw one deep ball that I was like, "Oh, Russell's back." <laughs> it was one time, but he still holds on to the ball for a long time. Doesn't have the athleticism and also like it. I guess this ties back into the like the freedom that you get from like being constrained in some ways is like, he's, it feels that he's freed from whatever constraints on his offensive ability that Pete Carroll would have put around him and being completely free from that is led him to make some really bad offensive decisions and try to do too much. And it's not working. Well, out. this, I have a question about this. This is the question I've been dying to ask. Okay. Are we sure that Russell Wilson is better than Geno Smith? And I say that because Geno, they're opening up the Seahawks offense with the same offensive coordinator that Russell Wilson had that he always wanted to do. And his numbers are much better than Russell Wilson's are. And it's, you know, it's not an apples to apples comparison. Russell, the rest of the season is probably going to be pretty, pretty rough. They just lost their best offensive player in Javante Williams. And again, as we said, teams don't get healthier. Um, but like, 
maybe Russell's bad and Gino's not that bad. I mean, it's hard to argue against it right now. Like, um, defense is up this year compared to to last year. I think by efficiency, defense is two points better, and which makes offense two points worse across the league at this point last year than this year. So, um, Gino's not like picking on some bad uh, what are the teams that they play well they played the broncos which is a really good defense in my view um who else did they play they have played the broncos 49ers falcons and lions yeah i mean it's two really good defenses in there and two that aren't that good and uh russ has had his chances i think it's obvious that for the money you know like every at this point for the commitment that they've made to russell you'd rather have geno smith on the lower price uh, I don't know how to explain what's happened to Russell Wilson because it doesn't seem, I guess, the minor loss in athleticism. Uh, because he doesn't seem like he's he's not a stiff, yeah, he's not as explosive as he once was. That combined with like complete offensive, offensive autonomy, uh, seemed well, to be that's the thing, his undoing. That's the, the play calling is the question I have because he always wanted to run the offense that Geno Smith is now running in Seattle. Like Geno Smith has 645 yards and four touchdowns in the last two games. And like, that's what Russell always wanted to do. Meanwhile, I, he has complete offensive autonomy, but it does not seem like this is the offense that he yeah. dreamed of running in, in Denver either. Yeah. I mean, it feels like he, he, and maybe this is a product of the team's the defenses that he's facing, but it feels like he wants to be a precision guy who's going to pick you apart down the field, uh, dink and dunk you and outsmart you. Uh, and it doesn't seem like he's capable of doing that. Them in that offense, they're not capable of going the length of the field without making any mistakes. And that's not how he had a success in, in Seattle. He had a success in Seattle because he's a great deep ball thrower and improvising. Right. So I don't know. It's it seems like uh, that group of death that we thought was really tough is not. That division is the Chiefs and everybody else, as we should have anticipated. And I think the I just don't feel I don't feel all that hopeful <laughs> for the Broncos going forward. And I think it's partially because we haven't seen good stuff out of Russ, and we've seen Nathaniel Hackett be not so great. Um, Aaron Rodgers, like. He's less spent than the other two, it feels like to me. He's getting drop passes, but they're still like an effective offense. It's just a lot more uh, focused on the running attack. He doesn't have the Devontae, obviously, and that's a loss. They're not going to be able to replace him. But, oh, man, it just brings me back to how great Patrick Mahomes is because Patrick Mahomes lost his Devontae, and we can't even notice it. But anyway, uh Romeo Dobbs dropped a game-winning touchdown pass, and uh, obviously Watson dropped that pass early in the season. And the 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 um, Packers' offense is still pretty good, so I'm I'm less worried about them. But it doesn't look the same, I guess. It feels like we're da- we're now on the the down we're officially on the downslope, which sounds crazy because he had back-to-back MVPs. But I don't see this ever going back to a like uh, Aaron Rodgers lighten it up and of course this weekend he's going to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns and make me look stupid. no no I, I think you're i think you're safe on this because even if he does it feels like we, we saw him with his long extended 
you know, hug with Bill Belichick. We've heard him say he's not going to play till he's 45, like, uh, like Brady does. And it's, it, it just, the thing with Rogers that's happening now, I think is somewhat of a parallel to Brady. Um, not just because they're both mm-hmm. having midlife crises, which they obviously are, <laughs> but also because it, it feels like they're still really good players who might be on teams that can't support them in the way that we've grown accustomed to in the past. And that this is a theme that you've talked about, which is like the infrastructure of teams and how it's really hard mm-hmm. to be a great quarterback on a bad team. And they, they're still great quarterbacks. You watch them. It's not, I, I haven't watched Rodgers and been like, you know, he's different or worse. It just feels like the parts around him are worse. And that's going to be the the slow fade mm-hmm. of his career, unless something drastic changes. Um, like I, right now we're paying so much more attention to like what Roger says and his haircut and his weird cryptic messages than his play on the field. That's fair. I mean, you mentioned Belichick. He's done yeah, too, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's, he, he, um, they're down to Bailey Zappi mm-hmm. at quarterback. That's gonna be, I mean, they still were competitive. Like, is that, should we be celebrating what they accomplished in that game? Cause they barely uh, lost. They took Aaron Rodgers to overtime. Like, should we appreciate? <laughs> they're much less bad than I thought. Much less bad. Yeah, they are. But they're still in that. I, I mean, well, I guess they could catch up to Miami, depending on how the quarterback situation shakes out. But I don't think they have anything for for Buffalo. But we'll see. I I know that Belichick obviously wants to prove that he can win without Tom Brady. He hasn't done that yet. So this would probably be the sweetest run he could ever go on if he could go on one. But I just can't see it happening with Hoyer and Zappi at the helm. We'll see. I don't know. We'll come back to that game if they if they manage to or come back to that team later if they manage to make things interesting. Uh, one final question on these on the transition point in the NFL as we sweep away these older quarterbacks and usher in the new generation of guys that are going to carry the league. What's your favorite of these midlife crises? Tom Brady with his crazy hair and his cheekbones and his uh, perfect skin. Russell Wilson's TikToks and his like 78 different voices, depending on the video. Aaron Rodgers, ayahuasca trips and his haircuts. And come on, which is the favorite? Because we can, we can, can we power rank midlife crises here? It's got to be Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is number one. Okay. I mean, the ayahuasca is takes us over the top because Russell's is like, that's who Russell's been. He's just playing poorly now. You know, I was like, that doesn't feel very new. Tom Brady does feel kind of new, but like he doesn't give us much that's interesting. We don't know any of the things that are happening off the field. We just know something's going on, yeah. you know, but Aaron Rodgers came back and told us it seems more interesting to actually know what's happening with him rather than like speculation and rumors. Yeah. Give me Aaron Rodgers midlife crisis as a more entertaining show. Okay, I'm going Russell at number one just because I don't know what's going to happen next week. Is he gonna? Is he gonna like buy a fancy new sports car? He's the how? How do you do, fellow kids? Meme as he continues to try and connect. Oh man, the um. So Belichick, like obviously in that game, they they missed an opportunity because they could have knocked off uh, Green Bay, and it feels like that was kind of a theme of the weekend with like the Ravens game and the Jaguars had a chance to put it away. Obviously Aaron Rodgers, they, they didn't have to pay for that drop touchdown pass, but that was like a missed opportunity. I was thinking that was a theme for this week, but it also like, is that just what football is? (laughs) No. Like if I think back to last week's games, most of the games turn on some, well, I guess it's not always a missed opportunity. Sometimes it's a, a made play, but 
games is always turn on such small things and even if it's a blowout we go back and we're like this was the butterfly effect action that caused this to get out of hand and if you could just change this one thing everything would be different but the ravens game comes to mind because they did it in back-to-back weeks where um i guess it wasn't back-to-back weeks it was the dolphins game was that back-to-back two weeks apart no it wasn't it was two weeks ago yeah it was the dolphins game where they just had all those mistakes and then in this one uh, they were dropping interceptions that Josh Allen was trying to give them. They failed on that fourth and, and short. And frankly, the offense in the second half couldn't score or do anything. So it was just a series of mi- of missed opportunities. So I, I want to be analytically inclined and I want to support the decision to go for it. And I think I'm going to stick with it. I, I know I would have kicked the field goal in that situation, However, I think that the right thing to do on fourth and two with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen on the other side, the right thing to do is to go for it. Well, I don't think it was the right thing to do. And I'm not even just playing the result there because this is I was sitting on the couch screaming like, can't you just take the lead with four minutes left? Even even if Josh Allen goes down the field and scores, you're going to get the you're probably going to get the ball again. You pin him deep. You let your defense play. Uh, they had just gotten a stop on Josh Allen. It doesn't seem like it was impossible. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's like I love when coaches go for it, and I would go for it in Madden. But like, I think that there we've leaned so far on the crutch of analytics on going for it on fourth down that sometimes it's like ah, maybe just take the lead with four minutes left in the game. Maybe just do that. Yeah, like that's just a simple football yeah. thing. I, I mean, I, I can't present a great argument against it, even though like I, I. I'm not mad at Harbaugh for doing it. I would have kicked it. And I think that I would have kicked it because I'm scared, but not because the, because the right thing to do, I think in that situation, you kicked is, it because you wanted to go up and win the game. You wanted to be winning with four yeah. minutes left. This is what's gotten so, yeah, that seems reasonable. It's gotten so bizarrely changed that like, because Harbaugh's reaction was, I was doing what I thought was the best chance to win. And, and that has become like, side of the fence like oh you're going for the win but going up by three points with four minutes left is also no going okay so dude, here's the pushback when you want to when you want to analyze these decisions i think you need to look at what are the two alternatives and he kicks the field goal they have a lead and they kick the ball off to josh allen with four minutes left that's a great situation to be in if you go for it the alternative is you take a touchdown lead you give the ball back to Josh Allen with four minutes left and a touchdown lead. That feels pretty great. The possibility if you if you go for it and you miss it is you give them the ball backed up with your defense with the greatest kicker in the league and four minutes left and you hopefully force them to punt or create a turnover and score. Like that feels like a great position to be in. You know what I mean? Like the way I'm looking at it is the risk is to take a, or the reward is to take a seven point lead. The risk of things going wrong is you have four minutes left. The game is tied. You have the best kicker in the league and you have the bills backed up. The real terrible thing was Lamar threw an interception and they got pushed up because I'm not sure. I think the outcome is different if Lamar doesn't turn it over and they don't get a touchback. Yeah. Because getting a touchback changed the dynamics of 
everything in that game to me. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it seemed like Duvernay was open early and the pressure had, because the pressure was coming from the left. Lamar was looking left and didn't see him fly open in the right corner of the end zone. Um, but, and I think, I think that's totally fair, but the question I would have for you, which is, which is pushback that I haven't heard anyone talking about is how much easier is it to play defense when you're just trying to hold them at best to a field goal or to, to tie the game? Cause once, once the bills had the ball in the 20, the Ravens had to play to keep them out of field goal range, not to keep them from scoring a touchdown. And that's all they had to do if they had made the kick is keep them from scoring a touchdown. Yeah, that's really hard. I mean, yeah, that's a fair point. I think we're right. Yeah. Because I said both positions. I'm definitely right. We should have kicked it. I don't know. I've moved off of what I... Except the thing with the analytics is, or with fourth down, is like you kind of have to go for it a lot yeah. for it to be worth it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's because you're going to miss some, but if you go for it enough, then you'll... Uh, you'll win more times than you'll lose, but they haven't won enough this year. The Ravens with doing it or last year. So this, this team's got to figure something out. And it's, it seemed like it created a, a riff a bit. Like the defense isn't, ha isn't a fan of it. And you don't want to have that. That's always like back to the concept of managing people is it's always a hard thing to do is like predict the impact. Cause had they, had they scored the touchdown, uh, Marcus Peters is not yelling at John Harbaugh on the sideline, you know? Yeah but they didn't. So now that's hanging, whether it's, they can put it behind them or not. Like I, I'm sure they're going to show up to work today and be fine, but it's in the back of everybody's head and it's going to influence Harbaugh the next time he makes a decision. And it's going to influence the defense the next time there's a fourth down. And if they go for it and don't make it, there's going to be a lot of people like rolling their eyes and waving their hands at their Super Bowl champion coach. But And it's also like it sets up this to be a, a massive game against the Bengals. Now they're both like they're both two and two going into week five. And I think even a week ago, if we had discussed that game, we would have thought that the Bengals were still tr struggling, having only beaten the Jets and, and the Ravens were rolling because Lamar is playing the best football of his life game in a hurricane weird things happen and they make a bad coaching decision next thing you know this is as high leverage of a week five game as there can be yeah the ravens two losses were games that they had in hand <laughs> right yeah or i mean one game they the the dolphins game they absolutely should have won it was like 99 win probability this game they dominated for the first half and could have won but didn't so yeah, it's a tough spot to be in, giving up to maybe the the luck will cut for them another way. Are there any other games like the the Jags-Eagles game was a good one? Is there anything else from the weekend or any other storylines that you want to hit on? Like, I, Have we talked about the Jags being good? Or are we too late to be ahead of that? Because I feel like you and I were talking about them being good before other people recognized that they were good. I think we're still on the on the right side of that. I mean, that game was a tough was, uh, you know, a tough one for Trevor Lawrence, who had been playing so much better. And obviously the four fumbles are what totally led to the, not led to it, but helped with the avalanche from the Eagles offense. But like that team, I think still should be the favorite in the AFC South, which is crazy to think about with how dysfunctional they seemed a year the ago. The Titans won again. I mean, the Titans are very well coached, I guess, is what you fall back on when you don't know how to explain how this team keeps winning, even though you don't think they're very good. <laughs> so I guess that's it. But yeah, if I had to pick one of these teams to to be a fan of, uh, I think the year is going to go better for the Jags than anyone else in the South. Um, we talked about a group of death is not the group of death. Those teams stink. Well, they don't stink, but I mean, I guess the, the Broncos and the Raiders kind of do stink. 
the other two teams, the Chargers are like injured and like unpredictable and the Chiefs are good. But is the NFC least like so what we used to call them? Are they the best division in football right now? Well, I think we're going to disagree on this. How many good teams do you think are in the NFC East? Good is a funny word. So I think Washington's not good. Yes, they suck. I think um, the Giants are okay. Um, and I think that the Eagles are great. And I think the Cowboys are good. Mm-hmm. Those are all arbitrary words that you cannot no, tie no, no, me no. down in any way with them. But uh, I, I think more than anything, I'm just shocked. Because I thought the Eagles, I thought the Eagles were going to be great, and I thought everyone else in there was going to be bad. And the fact that they aren't is surprising to me. Well, are we are we being hooked into the fact that the Giants are somewhat of a fraudulent three and one? Like that offense is still really bad. Yeah, agreed. But um, I think if you where they came from, would they have four wins last year? Three wins last year? Yeah, and they're well coached now. Yeah, they have four last year. And so I guess that's it's comparing them to comparing them to what they were. So like the Cowboys three and one is not fraudulent. No, the Giants, the Giants were competitive with the Cowboys. And they are three and one, I guess, just like when you look around the league in large part, because uh, the offenses are down and the defenses are up and defense from week to week is can be fickle. I think it's hard to like settle in on really ranking these teams. Because it's like, who has an offense you can trust? And that's all it really comes down to in a defense that's not going to embarrass you. Yeah. And so I, I think that the Giants are in the messy middle, you know? Yeah. Which is, which is fine. And I think the Cowboys are near the top of the messy middle. And I'm looking at the rest of the divisions, and I don't know that we have a division that has three teams that I think are all at or above average. I think that's pretty fair and i think the weirdest thing about the nfc east is it's a really well coached division and i think that's the that's the crazy part is these are these now seem like three well-run teams well yeah Um, yeah because sirianni's good um great yeah and the cowboys seem to have figured it out yeah we make fun of mike mccarthy but we like kellen moore and dan quinn dan quinn might just be an awesome defensive coordinator who's not a head coach and then day bowl and wink it's like those three teams are all like it goes back to the theme you talked about. You put in really good coaches and they have really good plans and they can make media things at the top of the messy middle. The um the talent is so close in the NFL. And scheme is so important because football is different from other games in that it's like three seconds of action, then you stop and confer and the coaches have influence. And there's so many different like variables in the game that the coaches are much more important in this game than in other games. And when the talent is so close, which like the worst team in the league is really good, you know, like really talented. And if you can find those advantages uh, in coaching, it can change the team in a way that you didn't expect. You know, I, I feel like I'm not doing a good job explaining it, explaining it, but it's very different from basketball where it is a lot. Like there are changes obviously, but you're on the floor and from play to play, you're doing your own thing. And baseball, like you can kind of like computer your way out of making real managerial decisions, you know? So it's like, everyone is kind of making the same decisions in baseball because there, there is a optimal, optimal way to play and they're doing it. And 
the same as like basketball and hockey and soccer and lacrosse and all those games are kind of the same game that is really incumbent on the players. Whereas this one's so different and the coaches matter. So the scheme and strategy matters. So what? So any, so much more. So anyway, I'm looking at all these divisions and maybe I got a little ahead of myself because I think the, I'll go through them with you really quick. AFC East, yeah. uh, above average teams. We'll just go above average teams, Miami, Buffalo, and eh. I'll leave that's it there. It. New, New England and Jets are below. So that's two. Um, the North, I got Baltimore, Cleveland, and I think the Bengals. Yeah, I think those three teams are. Bengals are going to be good. They're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That's three teams that are above average. Uh, the South, we got, yeah, nobody. Jacksonville, maybe. They lost to Washington, though. So Jacksonville, maybe. Then AFC West, we got Kansas City and the Chargers. I think are above. Then the North, we got Vikings and the Packers above average. Then we got Tampa in the South and that's it. And then in the West, we got the Rams. And uh, that's about it. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I think that, yeah, I, I feel stronger about my point now. I guess it's, it's between the East and the North AFC East and the or excuse me the nfc east and the afc north and i guess if you go team for team i think pittsburgh is better than washington and so maybe we give it to the north and the ravens really should really? be i think those are the two worst teams in the nfl agreed <laughs> but, yeah. but i think that 32 and 31 yeah okay so they aren't close enough for it to matter how do we have to decide? We can't have a tie. So how are we going to decide it? Let's go team for team. So you think the Ravens are the best team against the Eagles. I think the Eagles are better than the Ravens. One point for the East. Yeah. All right. Second best team. We'll say the Bengals and the Cowboys. I'm going Cowboys. I'm going Bengals. Even though the Cowboys beat them. Okay, cool. I think that, I mean, the, the Bengals had a really slow start to the year, but I have more faith in the infrastructure. All right. Cleveland is better than the Giants in my view. Definitely. Um, and we'll say a draw for Washington versus the Steelers. So, yeah, we don't agree. I got the East, you got the North. I think we've probably gone on for too long anyway. Yeah, probably. All right, wrap it up. We got the stuff at the beginning of the show. You got anything funny to say or mean? Uh, Yeah, I have one mean thing to say, and that's, well, it's really nice to us, but uh, we deserve an apology from the city of Chicago. We were right about Justin Fields and the Bears. He should demand a trade. And you know what? Maybe you can get a sixth round pick for him and draft someone as good as Bailey Zappi because that's how Justin Fields and the Bears have played this year. So we'll take all apologies, send them to us on any form of social media. We tried to warn you. We tried to help you. Chicago, we're your friends. We wanted to soften the landing, but no, you didn't oh, listen to us. Devil horns for you. I'm so proud of you. Let your inner cornerback shine. Talk your talk, Charlie. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. He's so good! How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. Hey, hey there, honey. Oh, we said it at the same time. I don't know. It's because we're in sync. It's a good thing, <laughs> not a bad thing. What's up? Nothing. What's up with you? Not much. Good weekend. Had a good time. Yes. I was appreciating how you've brainwashed our children. So I'm taking Avery to her game. Uh, and she controls the music in the car. Oh, yeah. And she just played good music. I mean, she went to some really? pop stuff. There like was some what? stuff that I didn't recognize. I mean, the stuff like she was playing a lot of college dropout and some biggie and um some old Lauren Hill and I mean I, it's obvious that she enjoys the songs like she knows a lot of the words to them but also it's obvious that she's playing them, baby. playing them for me too but then I was like why don't you play like some young people stuff so then we was vibing out to some Billie Eilish which like is not pre-game music it's like all emotional <laughs> and stuff but whatever she has good musical taste I appreciate that about her and I credit you for that there's a rose for you even though Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking I would I was thinking this isn't about me, but I do like roses of me. I don't necessarily want thorns of me, but because it's not about me, but I will just take some roses because you know you some go. complimentary. And I mean that in both ways, like it's compliments and free roses. <laughs> you don't make a oh, okay. You're so smart. You don't make uh well, because I honestly wasn't sure which I meant. So I was like, you know, <laughs> covers both. <laughs> you don't you don't I mean the point of this, the origin of this was because I make a living criticizing people, or at least part of my job is you don't you don't do that. So I don't criticize people, no. I'm nice-ish. So like, No, I know yeah, you are. You're, you're very here, nice. You're not here for thorns. I'm here for thorns. So I wouldn't be able to make a living criticizing people. Like I would just be like, but he tried so hard. She did really well. Like, I don't like I would find the positive. Like the way his uniform fit was great. Like I couldn't just be negative. Uh, whose uniform are you liking? I mean, what, what, <laughs> honestly, I think it was what it was one of the Ohio football teams. I texted you, remember? I was like, what well, I think it was either the kicker or the punter, but some white boy had a nice butt. I don't remember <laughs> what his name was, but I was like, look at this. Like uh, it was for him. I was surprised. But I guess you're talking about a, a college child right now. No, no, it, well, no, oh, oh, no. Oh, it's like Cincinnati or, or the or Browns. Cleveland? I don't know which right, one. Gotcha. I could go and look that. Um, it's like I'm joking. I won't, I won't, I won't. Anyway, well, thank you for my complimentary or complimentary, no problem. whichever one you want. Rose, I'll take more as you as you have them. I have a lot of roses for you, so I think we should get. Oh, going. that's yeah. a good week for me. First all right. of all, you went out and got me some theme music. Thank you. I know you didn't really do it on your own. Oh yeah, I, so hard work. Roses I, for Christina, Addy, and Sarah. Thank you guys. No judgment. I do think it could have been something from Renaissance, but I understand you guys don't have that type of budget. But yeah, I really I don't know feel like can pay I really, prices. yeah, Beyonce is not paying anything. She's like, my music is mine. But so many of those songs I just listen to over and over again and feel like they relate to me. Like Alien Superstar, Thick, I Gain Weight. Like, I really think that it could have been any song from Renaissance. Or you probably could have afforded, um, there's an old 
Chico de March song called Miss Wonderful. That relates to you too. I mean, to be fair, you think that all songs, this is like a running theme is you think all songs are about you. There's not a song that you listen to that you don't find a way to like figure out your role in the song. I think that's like a thing, right? That's, no, they all... I just sing them passionately. So something about me, guys, is I have the worst, worst, worst singing voice in the world. Like it is God awful. And I understand. Like I know that. Like I got it from my grandma. She was a bad singer and I sound just like her. It's awful. Rest, I love her so much. Rest, she's dead. But oh my God, she was my sweetheart. But we both are the worst singers in the world. Or she was. And I now I am. I've taken over the title. Um, But I love to sing. So I just blast music in the house all the time and sing. And I think I used to use it as like a repellent. Like I could be in the kitchen by myself if I was singing because no one wanted to be in there with me. But now it's like the only way I like to cook. And I cook a lot and I just cook and I sing and it's wonderful. Um, and so I just sing all the songs passionately. Like the other day, I was both Deborah Cox and RL and we can't be friends. No, that doesn't relate to me. Like I understand, like I don't see your car at Mama's oh, yeah. when I drive past it. But I sing the line oh, like God. it's me because I just really am a passionate singer. I'm good at So working. how is this a rose about me? I'm confused. What did I do? Uh, yeah, I think You got they, me some absolutely. theme music. You got oh, me some okay, theme music. And I that wasn't a rose that. for me either. That was, well, I didn't, I didn't know. know. I didn't know. So take it back. Rose for everyone else. Okay. You compliment me on Get Up. I got texts from people saying last week on um, Friday, you said nice things about me. So I appreciate you for that. Um, another rose. I have, I'm just, look, I even wore a sweater that has flowers on it because I'm throwing out so many roses. Let's appreciate let's appreciate that both of your first two roses were really just about you okay number rose number i two. told you i wanted roses and i was going to take them if i wasn't going to get it but anyway <laughs> um you did all of the kids soccer games this week so on friday i was like kids we're in dc and so fortunately we weren't you know um heavily impacted by hurricane ian and i'm thinking of all of the places and the people that were but it was just rainy here like with the remnants of it um and so i told the kids who my daughter she is happy to miss her games. Normally, both my daughters. The younger one is. No, she wasn't this week because she heard they uh, were bringing donuts. Remember? So that's uh, why I had to go out to District Donut and buy her some donuts. She had a little cough, so I didn't want her to go out in the cold rain. But the older one, she always wants to sleep in. Like, she's good at it, but she also doesn't want to play. Um, so I had told them, I was like, I think we're just going to have her. And she loves the rain. She loves being inside on a rainy day. It's like her. She's peaceful and happy and cozy. And so I was like, I think all the games are going to be canceled, guys. And her game was early on Saturday morning. And then it wasn't canceled. And she was real pissy that morning. Like, you had to deal with her, remember? Like, she was not happy and slow yeah. moving. Um, but anyway, you took them. You sat outside in the cold rain to her game and to my son's football game on Sunday. And flag football. And you even sent me text updates and even got me some video footage. So that's a definite rose. I got to be warm. Yes. Home. I don't mind the rain. I don't mind the elements and I enjoy watching them play. And oh, yeah, it was fun. I even talked to some parents, remember some names. It was incredible. Took some pictures of Avery. My mom was there with her fancy camera. So I got some good pictures of Avery scoring goals. It was a fun experience in the mud. I hope we don't have to do it again next week. What? But uh, it was a good one-off thing. Well, next week she has a night game, so I hope Ooh. we don't either because it'll be cold and rainy. Yes. Under the lights. They really need to up their competition. I feel like they haven't lost in three years, and they win by, like, three goals every week. They need to go play. One some. week it was eight or nine to one. That was really yeah, bad. They, they <laughs> stop, need to stop. Like, they are clearly, like, travel team-level soccer. They're beating up on this rec team, but whatever. It doesn't matter. The other kids are getting a lot of character. I remember last year at the tournament they had last year, they played an older team and they lost in penalties and they were like, what is this experience? I know, I know, I know. 
Um, it's good for him. It was two years. Yeah, it was a while ago, but yeah. But but like at least our daughter doesn't like it enough to do travel. Yeah. Like yeah. she would not be. She has practice one hour a week, and some days she didn't go last week. Um because she had a doctor's appointment but like she was enjoying not going like even that one hour <laughs> and again i was at the me. at the um at the game the flag football game i was talking to some of the dads there and they were like their kids play lots of sports and the ones that they're serious about it's like yeah we got three days a week we got two hour practices that start at six o'clock for nine-year-old boys and like i'm not judging like whatever mm-hmm. the kids love it it's good form structure whatever but like Specializing in uh, David Epstein wrote a book about like how like the myth of specialization and how it's not actually good for like creating the best athletes, but it's the way that the system works. But I, I mean, I don't know. I my first year of football, I was 10 years old and we did practice three times a week for two hours a night. So I guess I can't talk about it. So it's but, the age almost our son's nine. So almost. The yeah. Age. But it was just for fall. And like the kids now, the basketball, one of the kids on the opposing team is like supposedly an incredible basketball player. And he plays basketball year round, practices three times a week for two hours and then has games every weekend. And it's pretty much year round. But whatever. This is a whole nother conversation. I read one time that um, like about how rich with basketball it's becoming like almost like tennis and golf like richer kids are Mm -hmm. getting better at it is that why because like they there's so much training around it now and is that the same with football yeah i mean it's it's always been like that for quarterbacks with football because you like to get the specialty coaches early on and then there's also some cultural bias in inherent in quarterback position but uh yeah i think that's part of it and it's also just a bunch of like former kids of athletes like the the boy who was on the other team his his father played college basketball and like uh i think that that probably has something with it you look at the nba it's a bunch of those um players who played elsewhere also you got any more roses or thorns for me before we wrap this up okay um a thorn oh my god you're so great oh you haven't posted on instagram in a really long time and quite honestly we were out in these streets this week and i was looking cute we really didn't get good pictures but like i look cute too I know. Okay. We were looking cute, but I care more. So, and I just feel like you could post pictures of that. You know, the first time he posted a picture of me on Instagram, guys, I think it was during the pandemic, like the first day where school shut down. And he was like, it was, it was so sweet. He was trying to be like, Oh, I'm doing good with the kids. First of all, I have to, I have to, I'm stuck home with them, but it was sweet, but I looked awful. It was the ugliest thing. And I was like, you know what? That's beautiful that he thinks that this is a beautiful moment with me and Mike. Cause it was something so complimentary that he said, but I'm just like, just post nice pictures of me. Why would you post ugly pictures of me? Uh, you was running homeschool for three kids. And I was like, just in the basement trying to get my work done. And I was impressed and proud. And I know that you appreciate Instagram. So like, I knew that me saying that I was proud and impressed to you was not nearly as valuable as me telling everybody else that I'm impressed and proud of you. So I did that. I didn't care like if you were looking your best or not, because uh, my goal is not to use you as a as a thirst trap on the internet. So I know, like, but, but if it's, you think I appreciate Instagram, which I mean, I could I have comments about, about I could have comments about but I won't but anyway um then at least choose and I like you think I want to be out looking ugly like and I'm like okay. Instagram but I have a private page and only like my friends he doesn't because he doesn't post anything he really doesn't have any followers don't worry so I it was okay <laughs> but none guys none it's like I'm joking not none but still I don't want his 10 followers to think I'm ugly but anyway um another thing though this is a thorn too if he thinks I appreciate Instagram, I'm looking directly at the camera. 
then why does he never once wished me happy birthday or happy anniversary or anything like that on Instagram if he thinks I appreciate like really guys I just it's like for a while I was like is he trying to be any single one here with his 10 followers because no one's checking because you have 10 followers but anyway that's just that's something I yeah I'm pretty Pretty sad DMs, I have to admit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You can create some posts if you want me to post them. I just don't have the energy or desire. I don't care enough to be on there, but I, I'll work on it. I'll get Does better. Does Instagram do like like email and Twitter where you can like schedule posts? Because if so, I'm going to start scheduling birthday and anniversary posts to myself. Probably. I mean, I yeah, I can I can give you a birthday and anniversary post if you I mean I don't care. want you to feel pressure. Like I'm not Yes, you do clearly you do. I mean we've I'm been not... married for twelve years. I've never given you a birthday anniversary post. The fact that you haven't accepted it means yeah. <laughs> I've accepted it. I'm just I was just pointing it out to the people. Okay. Well, I'm all about um improvement and if but if he's gonna post an ugly picture of me guys then do i want it i like, will, I will clear i'll clear the pictures with you i mean who are you trying to look cute for anyway i mean i know who, ain't nobody out there he I mean, sees me at my eyes. he sees me at my bear that that football player that yeah, I'm like, but... <laughs> yeah the punter or kicker for either the Bengals or the browns it's one of four people i'll figure out who i'll figure out who um and so okay i really obviously no more value to add to this but you know i'm here i, just I you, love you i want this awkward moment to last a little longer you want to sign us off or something i could sing um with miss wonderful could that be our sign off? go I'm, for it there, we'll, is we'll, it fade, like, we'll fade out just start singing and then we'll fade is out. it like a copyright thing for me to sing it nah, just go ahead. we'll love, figure it out so in love i don't miss think it's gonna be good wonderful. enough for them to be I can't upset let go it's out of control oh my god i can't no, i mean really do like do your best actually try to sound good well i need you to start me off okay i don't know i'll look up the lyrics oh my god guys i love to sing like literally it's all i'm the most annoying he talks about how i like instagram a lot really it's like i like to record concerts of myself for myself to go back and watch in my stories like it's not for anybody one cousin of mine says she enjoys it and one friend from childhood but otherwise it's only the three of us i'm the third who enjoy it um and it's mostly for me i just really loved i'm so passionate about it i honestly think if i were good at it i would not love to sing though because like that would just be like showing off you know like i'm gonna try to be humble even though i don't want ugly pictures of me on instagram I can't I can't find Miss Wonderful lyrics. Sorry, you just gonna have to hit it all yourself. Okay. Well we could do our own Deborah Cox. I went past mama's, saw your car there. To her, you're still family. Come on, you gotta start singing. I guess I'm still in Deborah right now, but and it don't I don't this wasn't supposed to be a solo to do it. Seems fair for everyone to just go on. I tried and I can't do it. Cause I'm still talking. This is all Deborah. I chose it. We have to do that in part where they're going back and forth. Are you gonna if we if are you if I get there, are you gonna join me or you're just gonna leave me? Guys, just take it all out. He's played me. He left me. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get to the part. If you come near my face, what I'm trying to say. That's all I got. Keep. I'm, I haven't picked this up yet. Can't be, be friends. friends. You'll never, ever find another. We I keep saying it. Like, can't be I love you friends. too much, baby. You have to say I love you. You have to say I love you. That's enough. That's You're enough. not good hopefully, at it, Dominique. You're not good at it. Take it all out. out Take it all out. Bye, Leave guys. All, in. all right. Bye. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.